Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. We're continuing in our series today called Healed people. We've been in this series talking about how do we find healing in our life? How do we find wholeness in all of the things that we walk through? I want us to look again at Joshua 5, 8 through 9. It's kind of our our core scripture for the entire series. It says, the children of Israel have walked through the desert and they are just about to possess the promise that God has for them. And he has one more thing before they walk all the way into it. Joshua 5, 8 through 9 says, When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their place in the camp until they were healed. And then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, and so the name of this place shall be Gilgal, and it is to this day. In this series, we've been talking about walking through these hard seasons, walking through those broken places. How do we find healing from all that life has thrown at us, from all of the things that we have walked through and walked into? How do we find healing from being whole people who are walking around in a broken, hurting world? in the midst of this season of life. Maybe last year threw you some blows that you said, that has impacted me in a way that I never saw coming and it's got some wounds in me, but maybe it's just the result of being in the midst of a fallen, broken world and we're carrying around wounds in us. We walk through seasons and we walk into seasons and all of a sudden we find ourselves pressed and responding to things that have nothing to do with where I am right now, but they have everything to do with what I've walked through that I've never healed from. Last year threw us a lot of things to be hit by, but maybe it wasn't even last year for you. Maybe you're still responding from that business partner that betrayed you in 2002. And it's become a wound of distrust in your life. And now you're not ready to step out on the next thing that God's called you to. Or you're not ready to bring another person into your life because that wound is still there. Or maybe it's still the boy who left you stood up at your prom back in high school. Or maybe it's the thing that that teacher said about you when you were in sixth grade. It becomes a wound in our life. And we're taught to move forward. We're taught to put our chins up. We're taught to keep plowing on. But the trouble with with when we keep plowing on is that we never remain in a place long enough to say, you know what, God, this hurts right here. There are some wounds right here in me. There are some open places in me. There are some hurting places on the inside of me that I need you to come in and heal. We just move on to the next battle. And what we see God do with the children of Israel right here in this space is he says, before I take you into your promised land, I need you to be all the way healed. 
I need you to be all the way whole. Before you go into the next best thing that I have for you, before you step into the next position that I have for you, before you take on the next territory that I have for you, I need to make sure that you're all the way healed because I care more about who you are when you enter the promised land than I care about what it means to possess that space. God is so in love with who you are that he says possessing that thing is who you are is the whole thing. Who you are when you walk into your promised land is what I care about. So we're taking some time to say, God, before we move on to the next phase of this, before we move on to something, if we're going to be people who have resilient faith, we're going to be people who learn how to heal when we are impacted, who learn how to heal when the hurts and the traumas of life come at us. Because as much as I would love to put you in a bubble and send you out into the world and tell you you will never be harmed again, if you are going to live your life out among other people, you are going to be harmed again. The question is, do you know what to do when it happens? Do you know how to heal when it happens? We are people who declare Jesus everywhere and lead believers in a life of resilient faith. Resilient faith says, I know how to take a blow and not lose my faith. I know how to take a blow and not lose my soul in the midst of it. I know how to walk through some mess with some people and come out on the other side still looking like the glorious Christ that he has called me to be because I've learned how to heal in the midst of this situation. So as we continue our series today, I want to ask you a simple question. Do you want to be healed? It's an important question for us to evaluate, and it seems like our gut response would be, well, yes. But all throughout Scripture, we see Jesus calling people into this place where he requires them to interact with the question that seems so obvious in their life. Do you want to be healed? It's the question that he asked a paralyzed man sitting by the pool of Bethesda. In the book of John, he says, do you want to be healed? And we would think the man would scream and shout a resounding, yes, can't you see I'm sitting here lame and all I want is to be whole. But the man responds really how we often respond with a list of excuses as to why he can't be healed. He tells Jesus how bad his problem is and worse, not just only how bad his problem is, but how bad the whole situation around him is. And we're just like that man. We're so connected to the hurt that we have. We're so connected to the identity that we have taken on from being a person who has been on the receiving end of whatever your level type system of trauma is. That all of a sudden it becomes part of our identity and Jesus comes to us and says, do you want to be healed? And we say, you don't understand how bad they talk to me. Jesus, maybe you don't remember how painful it was for me when I walked through that situation. Jesus said, I didn't ask you how painful it was. I didn't ask you how hurt you are. I didn't ask you how difficult you think it's going to be. I asked you, do you want to be healed? After all this time, do you want to carry that thing still or do you want to be healed? 
After all of this time, do you want to still be hurting? Do you want to still walk around with open wounds? Do you still want to be triggered every time somebody speaks to you in a way that makes you kind of insecure? Every time somebody questions your intelligence, do you want to flare up with that insecurity of what that person said to you way back when? Or do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Jesus wants to see you healed. He wants to see you walking in the fullness of what he has for you. He wants to see you walking in the glory that he has purchased on your behalf. He wants to see you experiencing heaven on earth in your here and your right now. It is available to you. The question is, do you want it? I hope you do because I want us to be a church. I want us to be a people that walk in wholeness, that demonstrate what it means to be sanctified in our here and now, to live in the midst of a broken world, but live as healed and whole people. If we're gonna live as healed and whole people, we're gonna get into something today that's gonna help us uproot some of it. One of the things that holds us, that locks us, that ties us to our past pain. And we're gonna begin to dislodge that thing so that we can be free in every single area of our life and walk with confidence in the healing and the wholeness that he has for us. Are you ready? Do you want to be healed? Why don't you tell somebody next to you or throw it in the chat, I want to be healed. Spirit of the living God, I thank you for your power. I thank you for your wholeness. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you are here with us. I ask you to guide us today. Give us ears to hear exactly what you're saying. Give us hearts that are open and ready to receive it. God, give me clarity of thought. Give me clarity of word. Help me deliver what I've heard you speaking and teaching me over these last weeks. God, let it take root in our lives and produce great fruit in the days to come. And everything that's just me, everything that's just extra, let it be left here. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you turn to the book of Mark in chapter 11. This is kind of going to be the text that we uh, jump off of today, the place that we start. The thing about what we're talking about today is that there's so much content for it throughout Scripture. I was telling Phil as I was finishing my thoughts last night and putting my notes together, the thing I struggled with most was how do I pare it down to a single message because there are so many places I could go on this one topic. But we're just going to look today at Mark 11 and verse 25. It says, and whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. Whenever you stand to pray, forgive. People of God, healed people are forgiving people. Are people who know how to forgive. Today we're gonna to talk about being forgiving people. Now the thing that I think is so important as we step into this is that forgiveness, while it's something maybe we throw around lightly that is core to our belief, it's not always core to our practice and it's not always core to our practice even though it's core to our belief because it's so hard to do. It's hard to walk out because when somebody hurts you, 
it hurts. And it's difficult to turn around and then say, I forgive that person. I'm gonna let that go. I'm gonna walk away from that. And I know even now, as I said the words, we are going to talk about forgiveness. I felt some of your walls go, not me. I'm not talking about that because you don't know how bad they hurt me. You don't know how bad I was bruised by that. You don't know how wrongly they used me. You don't know how deep that scar is. And you know what, you're right. I don't know how deep your wound is. I don't know how hard they hurt you. I don't know how difficult that season was for you or what it meant for you to walk through it. What I know is that God has called us to forgive. And I know that it has set me free in my own life. And I know that I would not be doing you right to walk us through a series on healing and avoid the topic of forgiveness simply because it's challenging. God has called us to forgive. And the thing about unforgiveness is unforgiveness will rot in our souls. It will tie us up. It will bind us up. Unforgiveness is killing you. Holding on to those past hurts, holding on to those past pains. It is bottling up on the inside of you and it is rotting you from the inside out. Unforgiveness will devour your body. Physically, it will kill you from the inside out. I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist, but I know how to use a Google search, and unforgiveness will literally cause cancer to multiply in your body. Unforgiveness increases your blood pressure. Unforgiveness is directly linked to things like heart attack and heart failure. Unforgiveness will cause mental illnesses to sprout up in your life and mood disorders to overtake you from the inside out. Unforgiveness produces a physical response in your body. You think it's just not letting go of that thing that that person did, but it is devouring your life because the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if he can get you to hold on to unforgiveness. He can destroy you by what you won't let go of from the inside out. There is a direct line connection between unforgiveness and your physical health. It is devouring you from the inside out. You know, a while back, I was listening to this interview of a man um, that was talking about his experience losing his job, and he had lost his job um, from, from his account really unfairly. There were a lot of office politics going on, and he had been at a high level, and he kind of became the fall guy and was let go really unfairly without a lot of you know, recompense for his time and his work, and he was just lamenting what a terrible season it was and how it impacted all these different areas of his life. And he said, I went you know, into a really dark space in my life and you know I, 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 to go back out I'm still not working because I didn't know how to get back out there how to try that again how to trust again and I was listening to it and I was like man I feel for this guy what a difficult thing to walk through and I was thinking you know it must have been such a tough year for him after he lost that job and the interviewer said to him man that sounds so awful now re remind me how long ago was that and the man said it was 17 years ago he had not stepped back out into the workplace for 17 years because he was unable to find a way to forgive the people who had done him wrong in the past season, because he was unable to look back at it and say, you know what, that was wrong and I didn't like it, but I'm going to forgive. He literally allowed his career 
to be devoured. Unforgiveness will devour your destiny. It will devour the plans and the purposes that God has for your life, the things that he wants to take you into possession of. God wants to walk you into such wide places and such broad places, but small people hold on to small offenses. Small people are held in small spaces. Small people say, because they fired me in this season, I'm unable to walk into the next season. But if you want to be a big person with the bigness of God on the inside of you, You're going to have to be able to confront some big challenges in your life and overcome some big offenses in your life. If you want to live at a small place, then allow unforgiveness to root up in your life. Allow unforgiveness to grow and take possession of your life because it will, in fact, devour your destiny. If you can forgive at this level, then you can succeed at this level. But if you can learn to forgive at this level, you can learn to succeed at this level. Offenses are everywhere. And if you want to learn to walk everywhere and declare Jesus, you're going to have to learn how to forgive everywhere that he takes you, in every place that he takes you to. The scripture that we read said that God rolled away the reproach of Egypt from them. He walked them through as they sat there a process of forgiving the offense that they had been walking through, forgiving the condemnation of Egypt. Forgiving the hand of those who held them down. Forgiving the generation that went before them for all of their shortcomings. Forgiving the people that held them out of the promised land. Forgiving the people that weren't ready to possess the land. Forgiving themselves for the things that they had allowed to murmur and to complain in them. God took them through a process while they remained to be healed of learning how to forgive. We have to learn how to come above the place where we feel, come out of the place where we feel bound, come out of the place where we feel hurt, come out of the place where we just think about how painful that thing and that situation and those words and that moment and that relationship was to our lives and rise up to a level of forgiveness if we are gonna go after the destiny and the promises that God has for us. You cannot be petty and take on new levels. Talking about you're still upset about that minivan that cut you off on the way to go to the mall on Friday. You have got to learn to release it, to let that thing go. If you want to live big, then you need to hold on to forgiveness. If you want to live free, then you need to hold on to forgiveness. If you want to live long, then you need to hold on to forgiveness. I think part of the reason that forgiveness becomes so challenging for us is that it gets tangled up with all of these other things that it's not. We connect it to all these other areas. We connect it to all these other things. And we say, well, if if this, then I would forgive. Or if that, then I would forgive. Or when this gets in this situation, in this order, in this alignment, then I'll be able to, for we have tied it up and tangled it up with all kinds of things that it never, ever has been. I believe that's the work of the enemy. He is the author of confusion. And if he can get us confused about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't, then he can keep us in a place of bondage, bound and tied to past situations and past things, 
tied to things that God said, I have freed you from and I have brought you out of, but we keep entangled in the confusion of what forgiveness might be and might not be. The day that Phil and I got engaged, we um, went into, he took me in a hot air balloon. Right, so we went and rode in this. I don't know if you've ever been in a hot air balloon. If you haven't, what you do is you get, you get in this basket that's tied to a big balloon. And they turn it on and they fill it up with air. And it starts filling up and the balloon rises up, but it doesn't go up yet. It's, there's two things. It's tied to the ground and it's tied down with this big heavy rope that kind of keeps it in place. So the first thing is you climb in and they untie the rope. They untangle it from the thing that's holding it in place and they let it go. And then after that, there's all of these sandbags that are hooked on the outside of the edge of the basket. And as they want to go higher and they want to go higher, they start releasing the sandbags. They start untying them and untangling them. And as one drops, you go a little bit higher. And they go to the other side and they undo another one. As that one drops, you go a little bit higher. And they keep going around and around and around until it reaches the height that this balloon was intended for. So many of us are like that balloon. You're filled with his presence. You're filled with the competencies. You're filled with the gifts. You're filled with the things that he has for you. And God has a higher place that he wants to take you to, but you're still tied down. You're still bound down by these heavy sandbags of unforgiveness that are weighing on your life. And God said, you are never going to reach the place that I have for you as long as you allow the weight of these bags to be tied and holding on to your life. As long as you allow the heaviness of unforgiveness to be holding you down you will never reach the height that I have for you Hebrews said it this way it said let us throw off every weight let us throw off everything that entangles us let's untangle what it is to forgive and what it's not to forgive and let's let these sandbags that are holding on to our life drop to the ground so you can ascend to the place that God has for you so that you can live at the height that he has for you so that you can experience the fullness that he has for you he is going to bring you up to broad places he is going to bring you up where you can see widely and broadly but not as long as you are holding on to the heaviness, as long as you're willing to hold on to those bags, as long as you're willing to keep them in their place, as long as you're unwilling to untie them and appreciate the weight that they are causing in your life, you will never reach the place that he has for you. So let's untangle some of this stuff. Let's untangle some of these things that we tie up in forgiveness so that we can see the freedom that God has for your life. Forgiveness is not approval. Forgiveness is not approval of someone's actions. There is no place where it says, and then when you think that what someone has done is acceptable and approvable and should now be part of your life, you may forgive them. No, it actually is bound in the fact that it has not been acceptable, that it has not been approvable. That means that forgiveness is required in this situation because this has been harmful, because you have hurt me. That is why I need to extend forgiveness. And this can be so challenging because we want to make sure that when we say, I forgive you, I'm not saying I condone what you did. 
I am not saying that the way that you harmed me is approved. I am not saying that the way that you hurt me, that the way that you have acted is acceptable behavior, whether that is the minivan that cut you off or it is the person that abused you. This is not acceptable behavior. And my forgiveness, my releasing of this sandbag in my life is not in any way saying that what you have done is acceptable, approvable behavior in my life, things that I think should be replicated, things that I am putting my stamp on top of. Instead, it is saying I am releasing myself from this. I am disconnecting myself from that unacceptable behavior. I think Joseph gives us such a beautiful, incredible picture of forgiveness. If you know the story of Joseph, his brothers were terribly mean to him throughout his life, and then it really peaked for him when they threw him in a pit and left him to die, and then as really their act of mercy. They didn't leave him there to die. Instead, they took him out and sold him into slavery. And, and then later in life, Joseph and his brothers are reunited, and Joseph gets the chance to say to them that I forgive you. But what he says at the beginning is so important, I think. He says, you meant it for evil. What Joseph is saying is, I am not under any kind of falsehood about the intentions that you had. The thing that you did to me was awful. The thing that you did to me was completely unacceptable. The way that you hurt me cut me deeply. Joseph looks at his brothers and said, I know that you meant it for evil. You harmed me with intent. You, 11 right there, you had conspiracy to commit murder on my life, and that was not approvable behavior, but I can still find forgiveness in it. But I will still find a way through God to offer you forgiveness, to untie my from the heaviness of what that past meant, to untie myself from the weight of what it might mean to hold on to unforgiveness. Joseph said, I have decided that I'm gonna flourish in my life. I have decided that I am going to go ahead. I have decided that I'm not gonna spend my life looking back at how painful that was, but instead looking forward to everything that God has for me. And he untied himself and released that bag right there. He released that sandbag that could have weighed his life down and said, I see it just as clearly as I ever have. It was harmful, and you intended it for evil. But forgiveness can rule still. Our forgiveness is not approval. Forgiveness is not about the other person. This is the part that gets us so stuck. Because when someone has hurt me, this is the thing, I spend so much of my time thinking about that person. I think about the way that they harmed me. I think about how, how awful they are, how ugly they have been to me. I think about all of my attention goes in that direction. And so then I think, if I release them from this, are they ever gonna get what's due to them? Am I telling them that it's acceptable? If I release them from this, how do I ever move away from it? How do I know that they've learned the lesson that they need to learn? How do I, and we take all of these things in our control that are sitting in the hand of God. It's not yours to dispense anyways. It's not yours to correct them, it's yours to forgive them. It's yours to walk away from it. Your forgiveness is not about that other person. Your forgiveness is all about you. God said, when you go to pray so that you might be heard, so that you might be forgiven, he's not even talking about these other fools. Let him deal with them 
and let him deal with you, but it's so in our human nature when we feel the pressure coming on us or when we have something that causes our maturity level to rise or when we have something that God says, I'm gonna stretch you in this place now to all of a sudden go, ooh, this pressure's getting a little bit high. I'd like to talk about this over here. I'd like to talk about how bad they did me, God. I'd like to talk about how painful that was. It's what, at the end of the book of John, I think it's such a a human scripture right there in the gospels. The end of the book of John, Jesus is telling Peter how his life is gonna end. And to be honest, it's not that great. And Peter's not liking everything he's hearing about what Jesus is telling him is coming down the line for him. And so Peter says, this pressure is gonna a little bit hot. What about John? What's gonna go on with John? Can we talk about him for a second? And Jesus says, I'm not really talking about him. I'm talking about you. Let me talk to John about what's going to happen to John, and let me talk to you about what's going to happen to you. Forgiving other people has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with you. And if I'm honest, this is where I get really hung up. Because what I want to know is I want to know, do you know that what you did was wrong? I just need to know that you, I don't actually most of the time even need a very formal apology to want to walk into forgiveness. I just need an acknowledgement that that was not acceptable behavior. I want you to come to me and say, hey, I really messed that up and I did not handle that situation the way I should have. And I'm like, cool, I know. Like we all mess up sometimes. Nobody, you don't even have to say you're sorry. It's already forgiven. But that hang up right there for me is do you, God, God, I want to know, do they know that the way that they behaved in that situation was wrong? I felt God a few months ago bringing up a situation in my life and saying it's time that we untie this, hand, this sandbag from your life, Meredith. It's time that we let this thing go. And I felt myself saying, I know God, but I think that they think that the way that they were dealing with me in that situation was right. I think that they still think that they were right. And God said, like he said to to Peter, I'm not talking to them, I'm talking to you. It's time for you to let that thing go. It's time for you to untangle this thing. I'm talking about where I'm trying to take you in your life right now. I'm trying to talk about lifting your air balloon and let me deal with them in the way that I deal with them. You don't know what conversations he is or isn't having with them. You don't know what he has lined up or doesn't have lined up for their life. God is talking to you. And the thing about putting all of our attention and waiting on other people, I mean, we hear this all the time. I'll forgive them as soon as they come and apologize to me. As soon as they take the first step to come and apologize, then I'm, I'm ready and I'm willing to forgive them. Which also, to be honest, is a little bit like an addict that says, I can, I can quit anytime I want to. I just don't want to right now. I can forgive as soon as they come to to apologize. I'm just not doing it right now. I'm waiting for them. Are you? And you know what the other thing about that is? Is it puts all of the power in the other person's hand. You've already been hurt by them. You've already been overpowered by them in some kind of a way. Whether that was death, a, a deeply painful trauma, or whether it was some kind of a small offense in your work office, you've already had some kind of a power struggle with this person, and now you're taking all of the power and putting it over on their side, and saying all of the, the responsibility for my freedom, all of the accept, 
accessibility for my freedom. I'm going to put that in your lap and I'm just going to wait to find out if you're ever going to let me be free by coming to apologize. I will be free. And it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with whether or not you think I should be free. It has nothing to do with whether or not you think I can be free. It has nothing to do with whether or not you think I'm worthy. It has everything to do with a God who is on my side. And it has everything to do with a life that is yielded before him and says, I will pursue his freedom. So I'm just going to untie this bag right here. I'm going to leave that and I'm going to walk away from it because I don't need to be bound to you anymore. I don't need to be tied up by you anymore. I don't need any more of the power and the direction of my life in your hands any longer. I'm just going to move away from it because I have decided to be a healed person. And I'm going to go after it with everything that's in me. Forgiveness is not justice. Forgiveness is not justice. I want justice when I know that I'm innocent. When I know that I'm not guilty of the thing that you're accusing me of, I want justice. When I know that I'm guilty, when I know that I've messed up, when I know that I've done wrong, that's when I need God's mercy. That's when I need God's grace. That's when I need God's forgiveness extended to me. Forgiveness has nothing to do with whether or not it was right or wrong for the person to have done it. It has everything to do with extending the grace and the goodness that God has for us. It's his forgiveness, it's his grace, it's his mercy. And too often what we want is we want justice for other people and forgiveness for ourselves. Right? God, I, I need your grace. I know that I have messed up. I know that I have fallen short on some things. And so, God, I need your grace and your mercy. But have you seen them over there? God, you better get them. You better go after them and, and make them be accountable for the way that forgiveness is not justice. Forgiveness is his grace and his mercy unmerited in our lives being poured out. Forgiveness is not optional. For the believer, it is not optional. We are commanded to forgive. Colossians 3 and 13 says it this way. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. You must forgive because your Father in heaven has forgiven you. You extend that forgiveness. Forgive us this day our daily debts as we forgive others. There's that connection. Forgive me my debts as I forgive others. There is a link between the way that I extend forgiveness and the way that he is able to portion out the blessing of his daily forgiveness in my life. His blessing on my life is drawn to my life when I live life in line with his principles. God's blessing and God's cursing aren't fairy dust dispersed by a fairy godmother in the sky. They are the principles of our life that get drawn to us. His favor resting on my life when I live in accordance with what God has spoken and said over my life. So in the same measure that I am ready and willing to disperse forgiveness, he disperses forgiveness back into my life. He disperses mercy back into my life at the same level that I'm willing to rise to. 
and say, I'm gonna forgive on this level. He is able to rise to and say, you have a grace for this level. At the next level that I'm able to rise to and say, I've dropped off some more sandbags, God, and I'm going up another level. He says, there's a new grace for this level in your life. We are commanded to forgive. And Jesus always giving us the perfect example makes forgiveness such a priority that as he hangs on the cross, come on, we're getting ready to walk into Holy Week next week. As he hung on the cross, taking his final breath, he thought that releasing that sandbag, any weight, any condemnation, any heaviness, any sin that might entangle was so critical that he used some of his final breath to say, Father, forgive them. He gave us a command to walk in forgiveness. And then he gave us an example of how to walk in forgiveness. It is a critical priority for the life of the believer. But forgiveness is also not reconciliation. And I think this is where we get stuck a lot. Because we think to begin to walk in freedom means I have to walk in reconciliation. And they are different things in scripture. We are commanded to forgive. We are called to the option, to the opportunity of reconciliation. But they are not on the same level. They are not equal and the one does not always begat the other. Reconciliation is only possible if we walk through the door of forgiveness. But walking through the door of forgiveness does not mean that I might walk into reconciliation 100% of the time. I know, let's walk this out because I can hear your quietness and that means that, that this is something that you've tangled up real deep in your mind. That walking into forgiveness means I must walk into reconciliation. There are places in our life where it would be unhealthy unwise, unsuitable for us to walk into reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Restored relationship, restored position, restored titles, restored access into my life. Reconciliation begins to walk in the process of restoring the relationship that was hurt, that was damaged, and that was lost. And there are some instances where that would not be possible, where it would be opening ourselves up to further harm, where it would be opening ourselves up to potentially violence or harming situations where it would be bringing our family members into situations that God never had intended for them. Walking through the door of forgiveness is not walking through the door of reconciliation. And this is why the enemy has driven this one so deep because he wants you to tie those up so bad that you say, I'm not ready to sit down at the family table with that person again. And so therefore, because I'm not willing to sit down at the family table with them again, because I don't feel ready for that yet, then I'm not even gonna walk through the first step of forgiveness. I'm just gonna hold on to my unforgiveness because I think forgiveness means I have to be back in full and complete relationship with that person. And God says, no, 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 forgiveness is just this one piece over here. Reconciliation is the whole process that you might have access to afterwards, that might be possible afterwards. Let's look at scripture, okay? What does scripture say? Romans 12 and 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, 
What does that mean? That means that there are circumstances, there are situations where it is not possible to live peaceably with someone. There are situations where there are pieces of this that do not depend on me. And let's go all the way back where we started. I am responsible for what God is saying to me. I am responsible for the way that I engage with you. I am responsible for the boundaries I have set up in my life through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I am responsible for the place that he has given me to guard and protect. I can't do anything about the side of it that you're responsible for. So if I walk in forgiveness, but you still wanna live out there in abuse and chaos and crazy, then I am not required to create an open door back so your crazy can come in and deal with my peaceably living. I am required as much as it is possible by me to live peaceably with everyone. Yes, we are called to be ministers of reconciliation. Yes, we are to distribute the peace and the goodness and the grace and the mercy that he has given on us to everyone that we encounter, but it is conditional on the way that situation is going to walk out, and it is not the same thing as forgiveness but the enemy tied them up so tightly to hold you and keep you in that bondage. And I believe that God is gonna set you free today. No one's asking you to walk back through a door that you shouldn't be walking through. No one's asking you to sit at a table with somebody you shouldn't be sitting with. No one's asking you to do business with that person again that ran off with all of that money with you. They're asking you to untie that bag and let it go so that you can ascend once again. What forgiveness is, is it's a decision. Forgiveness is a decision. It is a single moment where I decide I am not going to be bound by this thing anymore. I'm not gonna be weighed down by this thing anymore. I am gonna untie this sandbag right here and I'm gonna let it go and I'm gonna leave it there. The Greek word that we see throughout the Gospels for forgiveness, it means to abandon. It means to separate from. It means to let go, to leave, to walk in another direction. It is a moment where I go into this place and I say, you know what? I've acknowledged how painful this was. I've acknowledged that it was unacceptable. I've acknowledged that I've received forgiveness from God. I've acknowledged that I don't know that I'm all the way ready to be back in right relationship with you. And to be honest, I'm not sure if I ever am because some of these cuts were super deep. But what I'm also not willing to do is to keep carrying this weight. I'm not willing to keep carrying this heaviness. So I'm going to untie this and I'm going to abandon it right here. And I'm going to start walking away from it because forgiveness is also a process. And this is where we get hung up. You do not have to feel the forgiveness to begin the forgiveness. Forgiveness is a decision that I make in a moment, and then it is a process. The process is the emotional part of healing. It's the part where I let his oil and his wine be poured into my life and to begin to nurture me and to heal me and to make me whole again. I cannot get on this path to healing. I cannot get on this journey that he has for me, coming back into emotional wholeness until I make the decision to forgive. It's the access point. But too often we never walk into the access point because we're so ruled by our emotions. 
We're so ruled by our feelings and I still feel the hurt and I still feel the betrayal and I still feel the disappointment. And God says, I know and I wanna deal with all that but I can't teach you how to walk new until you let go of that weight. I did this, um, oh, what do you call them, like those challenge race things, you know, where you do a bunch of obstacle course things? And one of the obstacles in it was you had to carry this massive sandbag. I think it was, I don't know, like 50 pounds or something like that. Is that yeah, it was massive. It was super big. Really heavy. You had to put it up, and you had to go up, like, all these stairs and back down all these stairs. It's like some kind of torture activity that I signed up for and paid to go out and do for, you know, fun on a weekend sometime. So I carry this bag, and it takes me a long time to get up and to get back down and to carry it. And when I finally put it down, you finally drop the weight of this bag. But this was the interesting thing. I felt so relieved to have put it down, right? I was like, oh, thank goodness. I can feel in my arm again. But then as I started walking away, all of a sudden I realized I was very, I was really unsure of my feet. I'd only been carrying it for a little bit of time, five minutes or less. And as I walked away, I was wobbling a little bit because in that short amount of time, I had gotten so used to carrying this extra weight. I had gotten so used to cocking my shoulder this way and holding my arm that way that I put it down and I felt relieved, but I couldn't walk away exactly as stable as I wanted to. And God says, I need you to put it down first because I'm trying to teach you a new way to walk in this thing. I'm trying to teach you a new path. I'm trying to recorrect and get your shoulders back square and get your chin back up and get your one foot back in front of the other because I know when they hurt you, they hurt you so bad, but I can't teach you the process of how to heal from this. I can't teach you the process of how to let my spirit pour into you. I can't teach you the place that I need you to come to. I can't take you to the higher thing until you make the decision to lay that thing down. After you've made the decision to lay it down, I have a whole process that I want to walk you through. I have a whole place of healing that I'm going to walk with you in. I'm waiting for you to walk through this process of healing. But it starts with a decision starts with the decision to lay that thing down. And it's why last week we talked about getting rest with God, finding the quiet places to stand with him, finding the quiet places to sit in front of him, to listen to him, to let him minister to you because it is in those quiet places that he begins to pour out into us told you this series is building. Don't miss a week of it because it's working together. It is in that place of rest that he's going to pour out to you, that he's going to begin to speak over you, not the lies that were spoke over you, but the truth of what his word is. He's going to fill you up because forgiveness is also the forgiveness of God's power flowing through me. Forgiveness doesn't come out of my strength. Forgiveness doesn't come out of my own will. Forgiveness doesn't come out of what I can do. It comes from the throne room of heaven. Romans 8 says that the same 
power that raised Christ up from the dead is now the same power that I live in. It's now the same power that I walk in. It's now the same power that fills me up. So it means that that same power that allowed him to hang there on a cross and in the most painful, darkest, hurting moment of his life say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That same power now rests on the inside of me and it allows me to look and say, in the same measure that he has forgiven me, I will distribute his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness to everyone I encounter. If we are gonna be a people who rise to every level, not only are we gonna get good at forgiveness, we're gonna have to get quick at forgiveness. In a culture that is so ready to be offended, so ready to say you've spoken out against me, so ready to say you've hurt me, so ready to say I get to wear my offense as a badge of honor, we're gonna layer it with something different. We're gonna say I was for, I'm forgiving you. Yes, that hurt me. Yes, I think that's offensive. Yes, that is very racially insensitive of you. But I choose to walk in forgiveness instead. I choose not to allow my life to be tied up to you. I choose not to allow myself to be bound by you and tied up. I choose not to let extra weights of heaviness get hooked on my basket. And instead, I choose to let these things fall and let his power move in my life. Let his grace and his mercy work through me. The faster that we can learn to forgive, the faster we can live in healing, and the faster we can see the fullness and the fruitfulness of the promises of God existing in our life. I'd like everyone who can to stand with me right now. I think that forgiveness is a critical key to us living out the fullness of God in our lives. I think that sometimes we talk about it and we brush over it, but really sitting with it, really practicing it is a key element to believers who are living in the healing, the fullness, the wholeness, experiencing heaven on earth. When I was a kid, I had um, an accident. We used to have a gravel driveway and I was riding my bike and I was going real fast. I was riding super fast down that driveway. And I, you know, I skidded too quick and I slid out from under it and I scraped up my knees and I scraped up like my hip bones and my elbows, it was everywhere. And when you scrape up yourself on gravel, if you have ever done it, you know gravel gets all in those open wounds. And so I went inside and my mom, you know, started cleaning, cleaning me up, right? She didn't just go and take me in and say, oh, you have this terrible situation. Let's just bandage it up on top of it. Instead, she said, we've got all of this junk inside this open wound. We're gonna have to clean it out. And she looked at me and she said, this is gonna hurt. This is not gonna be pretty. It's not gonna feel good. But we have to get this stuff cleaned out from this wound. So many of us have open wounds that we've allowed the gravel of unforgiveness to just settle in. And we've tried to cover it up and to bandage it up and now it is festering. It's getting infected. It's causing all kinds of other issues in our body because we don't wanna take the time to say, I have to dig this out. Before we go anywhere else, I want us to just offer to God open, willing hearts that say, anywhere that there's gravel in my heart, anywhere that there's still things festering in these wounds, God, I want you to dig it out so that I can heal properly. Because we're gonna be a healed people. 
healed people who heal people and healed people are forgiving people. But before we go any further today, I wanna acknowledge that the, the first step in that forgiveness is receiving the forgiveness that God has for us. It's opening our hearts and saying, I wasn't able, I'm not capable, just like anyone who hurt you or harmed you isn't able or capable of making it right. I'm not able or capable of making my life right before God. So he came for me and he offered his forgiveness in an incredible way. And so if you have never accepted his forgiveness, I wanna create an opportunity for you to do that today. We wanna invite you into the family of God. We wanna invite you into his forgiveness today. Amen, church? It is the first step. It is the best step that you can ever possibly make to receive his forgiveness before we can even talk about allowing that power to flow through you. So we're gonna pray together as a church. The reason we pray together is because it's good for all of us to repeat these words. But more than that, because when you feel weak, I want you to hear the sound of the family of believers reminding you that God called you home to him and home to a community. And that we walk together in the midst of this fallen, broken world. So we come before you, we say, Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name knowing there's nothing that we can do to make everything right. So we ask for your forgiveness. We accept that gift. Help us, stay with us, keep us in your perfect path. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.